Welcome to CAI Keystone's Wine on Wednesday, the podcast where four longtime friends and community managers sit down with me, Michael Shaw, CAI Keystone's communications manager, to discuss topics of interest to condo and community association managers, homeowners, and business partners. Whether you work in, live in, or work with a condo or community association in Pennsylvania, South Jersey, Northern Delaware, or beyond, Wine on Wednesday is for you. A few notes about today's episode, which we're calling Cover Your Assets. This recording has been broken into two episodes, the first of which you're listening to today, and the second which will be released at a later date in 2024. We did have a few technical hiccups during the recording of these episodes. We've done the best we can to remedy any audio issues we experienced during the recording, but there may be some minor sound distortions even in the finished product. We apologize for any sound issues you may experience while listening to this episode. Secondly, these episodes were recorded in December 2023. References to the holidays and New Year were kept in the recording, so if you're tuning in for the first time in August, it may help to have a little context about the timing of these recordings. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Wine on Wednesday. I'm delighted, as always, to be joined by Maria Elena Solis, Rosie Brophy, Patty Walton, and Jill Geiger. Hello, ladies. How are you all doing? Good morning. Good morning. Doing good. Doing well. Beautiful sunny day. It is. As we're recording, it's nice and nice and sunny. out. a little bit chilly, but uh, it should be a good day. Uh, we're all coming off of the... Um, Excellence Awards Gala that we held at the end of November. That was a, I thought, a terrific event. Very, uh, very, very nice. Congratulations to you. Congratulations. The music was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Congratulations to you and Tony. And the music was wonderful. Very beautiful. And I don't even like that. They were great. Great event. And, and as the lady said, congratulations to all the nominees and to all of our winners. Uh, we have a couple nominees on, on the call today. So Patty's community and Joe's community were both nominated uh, for the Community Leadership Award. Unfortunately, they did not take home the, the prize this time, but, but maybe in 2024. And, um, and yeah, so I thought it was a good event all in all. Today, we're going to talk about paying in the assets, protecting your board's community investments and owner's data. So why don't we hop right into it? Uh, first off, kudos to Rosie Brophy for coming up with the exceptional the braids behind the operation for sure so good job rosie thank you thank you i'd supply the wine (laughs) (laughs) everybody's got their niche that's nothing let's jump right into community investment do you publish a redacted version of the financial reports I, I publish uh, the balance sheet and income statement only um, on our what we call Town Square, wow. um, but I do that monthly for all my communities. But just that, yeah, same here. The full financial package goes to the board, but then once they approve, review it, approve it, same as Patty. Yeah. Balance sheet, income, expense it gets posted, so that way the homeowners can review it and mm-hmm. it becomes an archival record. And where do you post it, Rosie? Same, same uh, town square? Or do you have a different our, our platform is called Caliber. So we oh, host okay. Caliber. And then we also, we well, we deal with two accounting systems. And the other one is called Enumerate, which comes from TOPS. Uh, mm-hmm. So we also post it there. So okay. yeah, on our portals. We do the same thing, only that we use the website. Okay. We do not do that. Um, if people come to our monthly meeting, we pass it around. 
um, the monthly financial to the people that attend the meeting, but we do not publish it. Do you include them with your minutes? No. I have one community that does. The Those two um, documents are standard attachment to the minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm wondering... So, if someone were to come to the management office and request uh, to see something, is that something that you would provide to them? We don't provide a hard copy. We we say that you have to come to the office and review them. Okay. But no, we do Maybe not. 2024, you can... Yeah, maybe I'll look into that. Yeah, I, I, we never did. And it's news to me that they, that they do. So yeah. I'm going to look yeah. into it. Standard. Yeah, it's pretty mm -hmm. standard, I thought. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about your finance committees. How do you work with them? And do you have your board treasurer as a liaison to that committee? I don't have a finance committee, but I have a wonderful board treasurer. And we meet about a week beforehand and go over the financial and then he does the summary. But uh, I don't have I don't have any committees of mine. Wow. Lucky. No but committees at all. Wow. We do work with the treasurers, especially for investments. Okay. So being portfolio, several different um, communities and how boards are operate. Some are smaller, some are bigger, but I do have finance committees and I must say that they are the, for the communities that I have them very involved, very active and very good. Yeah. And yes, the board treasurer is the liaison to that board or to that committee. Uh, they do minutes, they provide the reports. Um, when I prepare the budget, I share it with them. Uh, just more for commentary and if they have anything, but obviously it's a board decision whether to adopt or change or mm -hmm. accept the recommendations. Um, most of the time, I have to say, if I come to the board with my bud my draft budget, they pretty much stick with my recommendation, even if the finance committee says, hey, we shouldn't increase it. No, we do need to increase it. So, um, but they are an excellent source sometimes also when we're doing projects for capital improvements, uh, the finance committee sometimes get involved with some of those projects. Um, so good. for me, they work, they work very well. That's great. Okay, how about you, Maria Elena? I do have a finance committee and I, I really like working with them it, since they have been maybe some of them are original owners mm -hmm. so they have a lot of history right so they they bring you know a very good perspective there is a natural resistance to increases but uh we just have to work our way around it because we cannot just deny progress and inflation and inflation and contract increases and contract mm -hmm. increases but uh one of the things that i really I emphasize as one of the duties of the finance committee is having resolutions, like investments have a resolution. Yeah. You know, it kind of covers that. Capital really. contributions have a resolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter who's on the finance committee, who's on the board, there's continuity in the financial um, aspect of the, of, of the community. Well, it definitely covers them, mm -hmm. too, except for what kind of investments they can have. But they just propose that resolution and then the board has to And the board has to approve it. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. But have everything in writing. So if funds are running low in your community, and I know that never happens for you guys, right? But if funds are running low, uh, how do you come up with ideas or what ideas have you come up with to generate income? And what has been the board's reaction to those sort of advancements and ideas? Well, one of the things that I do, and I make it part of my budget process with my board, I review the capital contribution, um, uh, the, the recent contribution, 
<clears throat> I always provide my boards with a resale log, so I keep track of all the sales, mm -hmm. yeah, and I, I do an average uh, sale amount per home. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're always in, you know, in the know. How much are they selling for? How much yeah. money did we collect in capital contributions? Because that all of that just goes to enhance your reserve fund. Mm -hmm. So I always review that. Uh, and I have to say, with this budget season, given the way that homes sold at such a high price and and they were still selling, <laughs> yeah, there was so much movement in real estate this year. All of not all, but the majority of my my boards approved increasing the capital contribution yeah. amount to eight times the the oh. association fee. Wow, eight times, eight, eight times. times. Yep, most most of them were at five, so we increased it to eight. Oh, okay. Um, That's about what I have. Yeah, most of mine around eight yeah. seven fifty. So, um, and because I and this was also something that I did years prior. I got them all out of that flat amount that they collected because mm -hmm. everybody was at one thousand, two thousand, oh, and right. just that. Mm -hmm. But the condominium act allows you to collect up to twelve times your HOA fee. Now, twelve times is a lot for some communities. Yes. But once, for example, my single family homes where we're not responsible for anything and their fee is like 160, 2000 makes sense. Um, but for the other ones that are 340, 350 right. times eight, well, that elevates your, your income. And sure. it does not affect your current membership, mm -hmm. which is always the selling part with the board. It doesn't hurt anybody here. It's just the people moving yeah, in. It's, a buy -in. And, it's, it's you either know, that, it's either increase in your fees. Exactly. Or collected at resale. Right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so that's a very easy way of bringing income in, and I always stay on top of that. And I, the most I can get, I, I'm always pushing for it. Yeah. And the boards are very receptive because, again, that doesn't affect the owners. It's and do you do you get any pushback? Zero from yeah. realtors or anybody? no, no, no. Same here. Yeah. yeah, I've raised them too. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was to look at all of my associations because they all have different fees, if I was to compute that eight times the current amount. We're basically collecting at settlement either three or four thousand dollars by yeah. every home sale. That's a so lot. that's a very nice way yeah, of bringing it. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's good. That's yeah. <clears throat> but as we record this episode at the end of twenty twenty three, are you still seeing a pretty robust housing market uh, in your communities? I have about three resales pending that should okay. should be settled by the end of this year. No, I only have one. So I have one too. Hey, but it's been like twenty five for me in the year. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot, lot for there, too. I know. Yeah. They're not cheap. No. Now, now I feel like it's been less. Uh, it, we're starting to catch up with, in Morgandale. Uh, we're just right on what we projected it to be for resales because um, of interest rates and things like that. We I felt like through the year, it was less resales than we were projecting, but we're starting to kind of catch up a little bit. Well, okay. going back to the question about um, if you, you know, low in funds and what do you do, um, especially when it's a heavy snow year and if you haven't yet um, done a special assessment, I have had to borrow from reserves. I, I hate it and I have to keep track of making sure that they repay it. once. And they the, have to put it in the minutes. Oh, yeah, it has to be in the minutes. Um, but, I mean, that is a way that I've gotten around to it before a special assessment money starts coming in where you have to borrow from reserves. Mm -hmm. As long as it's in the minutes, you yeah. can do that. Cause I asked about that just recently. 
And that's what I was told by Carl. Yeah. I haven't done that yet, but yeah, I had to do it. Yeah. Patty, how do you pay it back? Do you open a line in the budget for next year or you pay it that same year? I try to pay it that same year. Yeah. From where? Well, when the special assessment money from operating, I just re I just transfer it back over. To oh, so you do a special assessment? Yeah, I usually that's what happens. Okay, like, so you really bad. You pay the bill out of reserve I have to pay the, bill, pay the bill, right? And then the special assessment money comes in. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll transfer it. I find that another way uh, for certain of my properties, especially condominiums, um, another way to bring income is to with your attorney. Draft a policy resolution to collect a rental lease fee for anybody that yeah, uh, rents their big on that. Yeah, I'm huge on that. <laughs> if, if I have associations that have uh, rental occupancy, it is a very easy sale for my board. And I, interestingly, in one of them, where when we started it, one of the board members is a landlord. And of course, he was like, well, I don't know about that fee. But, you know, he did understand, you know, this, I mean, this is a community that does not have a lot of money. Uh, they're, they're very tight on their reserves, you know, so uh, their operating budget is really their operating budget. So this was just a little way of bringing money in. And we were able to, uh, so, and it's some associations collect this rental lease. They call it an administration fee mm -hmm. um, for every tenant that moves in and out. And that is a very easy way to explain it to unit owners. There is work that this creates for us, so we need to do it. Now, this fee goes entirely to the association, not to the management company. Um, but for this one community, we did it as an annual assessment. And wow. the idea on that was to really deter homeowners from renting their units. Oh my God. Yeah, so we do it as an annual assessment. So good right on their statement. February 1st, we assess it. Okay. I love that idea because they always ask that. And we say, oh, no, it's a one-time fee. No, no, we do it annually. And, and, and when we send the budget, it's a reminder. If you rent, if you rent your unit, there's going to be an assessment in February. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah that's and great. we do not prorate it. We do not give it back. You rent it now. If somebody mid-year rents, we collect it at that point. Mm -hmm. And, and the next year, they get paperwork though. No, don't yeah. you keep track of every ownership? Yeah. Then no, it's it goes with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like it would just be like a once a year thing that you that wouldn't be so hard, but. Um, and it's a very it's a and we it's in the budget like we budget for it because we know how many rentals we have. So right. so a lot of my investors I find that they put it on the person the renter that either split it with the renter. That's up to the landlord. Yeah, I don't, it's up give to us. I don't I really don't care. I just want my money. Right. Yeah. Right. But I'm just saying that that sometimes that that's what anyone else want to weigh in on that topic about uh, low funds or or have we covered that one now? I think we're good. Or do you yeah. have any other ways of bringing money in? Well, we have clubhouse rentals, but that doesn't have uh, that much money in. Some. It's not even worth the money we bring in. Such a well, another, another, and I know this is minimally, but again, it all comes into if there's a cost, there should be, it should be charged. Right. Like associations that have clubhouses right. and give out access cards. Right. So for us, we always give two complimentary. If you lose it, misplace it for whatever reason, your dog ate it, there's a charge for a replacement. Mm. So we don't just give them freely. Mm. Like pool passes? Pool pass, everything. Anything that we give you, then and you lose it, there's a fee. How if you lose it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. okay, let's shift gears to talk a little bit about owner's data. 
you publicize, uh, do you print a membership directory? Um, and if so, you get permission in advance to include um, owner's information in there. No, we do not do that at all. Um, even our website, when we post pictures, we always get permission um, from people about before we even post our pictures. Um, we don't you have to sign a waiver or anything, Jill, or, or yeah, it's like a waiver. Yes, yeah. actually, we do it kind of like it's kind of like a one-time thing. Like once you go into the website and you sign up for the website, you agree to it. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's right. how we do it. Um, but no, we don't publish it. But I know they did it in the past because I found some really old ones at Morgandale when we were looking for the oh, 50th anniversary. I, oh my gosh, yeah, I used to have, um, Pinecrest used to have a directory like that they would mail and have That's it bound and everything. Number and that was like 2005. I mean, it wasn't oh, wow. that, that long. Not that, that long ago, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But now they have, a, they have a wonderful website. Um, one of our board members is the administrator and it's all secure with volumes yes. and everything. Yeah. Um, and on there, I was saying as far as uh, directories, um, I have a community, Pinecrest, that had a full-blown uh, directory mailed out or de hand-delivered to owners up till about 2007 or 8, maybe even later. But now they have a wonderful website um, that's secured, you know, with a username and password. And you can still go in there and find your neighbor's information. But by... You know, they know, but by signing up for the website, that that information is out there. Now, um, can an owner opt out of that? If they, if they would not use the website, or, or I, I don't know, they may work with the web administrator to say we don't want our name and address in there. Right. Okay. So that would be fine. But other than that, I mean, we, we I, a lot of my other communities have directories. Okay. So, Jill, I think you said that you don't uh, have a directory at Morgandale any longer. Uh, Patty said that uh, Uncrest doesn't do it, neither do her other communities. Uh, Rosie and, and Maria Elena, what about your communities? Do you have a directory of, of owners, and, and how do you go about getting permission to publish them if you do? I mean, yes, obviously we keep of um, all of the owners, tenants, you know, email addresses, whatever, but we do not publish them. We okay. do not really give them out. I only had one, actually, recently, one community, but it's single-family homes, only 25. They wanted a directory because they wanted to send each other, you know, Christmas card cards. Sure. And, you know, they're, they're, there's lots of children, so they wanted to know also their children information. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know that you want to publish that, but... And everybody agreed to that? Yeah, well, what we did was, uh, because I told the board, I said, I am very uncomfortable with that. So um, unless we get the homeowner's approval, then I don't have a problem creating your directory and putting it together. I said, but that's information that really we should not be disclosing. And there's some homeowners that don't want to give out their information. Sure. So because there's such a little community, I did email each one. No, I, I think I created like an Excel sheet and I... I put what the information that we had, their emails, if they had several, and their phone number contact. And then I, it was like, a, a, it was a mail out that we sent to them and they had to return it to me. Right. And it had space. If you want to list your children, what are their names? Just names, not age or nothing. If you have any pets, do you want to add them to your directory? And I was surprised to see 
everybody gave their information. Okay, fine. And I'm like, well, that's entirely up to you. Yeah. So then I put it together. I did like I put it in publisher. I did like a little booklet, like we used to do, like the very old fashioned way. They loved it. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, okay. So we agreed to renew it, like publish it twice a year, depending if we had any resales. If not, it would just be a one year thing that we would send out. Um, you know, the other thing about protecting uh, their information is if you happen to send out an email that is to multiple owners for whatever reason, like sometimes, you know, I get a list of people that are trash offenders. Make sure you BCC it. I made that mistake early on. Oh, and yeah. oh my gosh, I got in so much hot water from a homeowner that said, how dare you send out an email to other people with my email on there? So that's one mistake I learned from, and I have not done it again. But no, I think uh, you're absolutely awesome. right. The BCC is your email's best friend, for sure. I, I agree. Absolutely. I use it sometimes with my boards. Only you need to train them not to reply all when they reply. <laughs> exactly. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even we've learned some lessons about reply all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time. Uh, so do you uh, have any instances where you would give out a neighbor's email to another owner? Or are you strictly confidential when it comes to that kind of information? Well, we have to ask permission. Um, I think it's always it, it always depends on what's the subject, what's the purpose for wanting to contact your neighbor. If it's um, like, for example, we have the exterior modification form on on several of my communities. I've convinced the board to include a neighbor signature, so that way, when a homeowner is doing an improvement, they with the application process, they have to get their neighbor signature. So that way they know it's not approval. It's just truly courtesy notification so they know that there's going to be contractors in their nearby area. And that way they know. Like, And then they can just say, I didn't know they were going to be putting in a green awning. Why is that green awning approved? That kind of stuff, right? So you leave it neighbor to neighbor, and you they should talk to each other. Come on, be neighbors. So... When a homeowner says, oh, I can't get a hold of my neighbor and I need the signature for my application, what I'll do is I'll, I'll either contact that homeowner directly or if it's something that is really simple or neighborly, I will, I will write to both of them. So, and I will always say, I'm connecting the two of you so that way you can blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, there are instances where obviously we make that accommodation, but it's not it. It wouldn't be like, oh, I saw my neighbor at one hundred. Can you give me their email? And like, no, it, it would have to be a, a business purpose for it. Yeah, I mean, we have to think about um, or just out to anybody because sometimes people are in. I was going to say witness protection, <laughs> not that, but like they have restraining orders and such. There's nobody um, at Morgandale who is in witness protection. We just want that to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, restraining orders um and things like that or you know women are hiding from their husbands or you know we have these instances right and so you get these people that sound so innocent like oh i'm her husband and i, oh, I would never do that or something like that can you give me their information yeah. i got a piece of mail and such and such is the name do you know the address that kind of stuff Never, ever, ever, unless they are, unless I know they live right next to each other and they've known each other for 25 years. Right. I never give anything out because um, there are people out there 
that are looking for other people. Of course. Yeah. The only people we were told that we were allowed to give uh, information out is to the police. Well, sure. We're allowed to. Yes. We let, you know, that's the only thing. But we don't give any information. How about you? Same. Yeah. Okay. Only we, we only talk to the police. And if a neighbor wants something from another neighbor, go knock on their door. Yeah. Or put a note in their door. Yep. Or something like that. Yeah. Privacy is sometimes, you know, people will, as you know, there's scammers out there. And sometimes people that. will try their best. Even when I have a new committee, I make sure that I ask each one of those committee members if it's okay if I put them in a group email together with the other committee members. You would think that they were would be okay that with that because they're joining this committee, but not always. Mm. What do you do in that sort of instance? If someone says, I would rather not be in a group email, but I still want to serve with the committee, how do you communicate with that person? Right. So I just basically cop forward the e email to them individually. Individually, yeah. Well, that's a pain. It is a pain. Okay. Email, I, I can't can allow that. I'm like, you, you join the committee, you join the committee, period. Right. Well, they, I know. They, they want to join the committee. There's no reason. They're saying there's no reason why I need to. They need to. Everybody has to have my information. Because you're working as a team. I know. I'm telling you. That's why I learned the hard way <laughs> on that one. And that's why I um, now ask everybody. And most of the time, they'll say that's fine. Okay. It was just one instance. Yeah. <laughs> there's one in every bunch, right? That lesson learned. That's for sure. Sure. Because we're breaking the cover your assets topic into two episodes, we aren't going to do a wine recommendation at the end of this episode. Instead, look for part two and your wine recommendation from Patty Walton coming soon to wherever you listen to Wine on Wednesday. That's a wrap on this episode of Wine on Wednesday. Wine on Wednesday is a production of the Keystone Chapter of Community Associations Institute. Intro and outro music is Good Mood by Arch Music. Are you interested in sponsoring Wine on Wednesday? Contact us at info at caikeystone.org. On behalf of everyone here at Wine on Wednesday and CAI Keystone, I'm Michael Shaw saying, let's meet here again real soon.